0: Hello, everybody. Welcome to the How to Health podcast. My name is Katie Rines, your holistic, plant-based, registered dietitian. I'm so excited to help you see how important it is to take care of your health with a plant-based diet, but also increase your confidence in really getting there on your own. And I'm so, so, so excited to be interviewing two of the most entertaining professional people out there talking about plant-based diets and health. Um, Jackson and Aaron of the Thought for Food podcast. So Jackson holds a degree in integrative physiology and public health. He's certified in plant-based nutrition from eCornell and is a very avid cyclist. And Aaron, he's a registered nurse specializing in cardiovascular care. He's an ultra-distance ultra, ultra distance runner I know you say you're a new dad, but I'm going to say you're a pretty seasoned dad at this point. Um, He's a health coach and nutrition consultant. And their tagline here is, do epic shit and take epic dumps. And I'm so excited (laughs) today because I really feel like we we know a lot about the importance of fiber and plant-based diets and the microbiome but we don't really talk about it that much like what is our poop supposed to look like like what are the diseases of oh, a low fiber diet like that's not just for your grandma should be eating more flax seeds and more fiber like i feel like everybody in all ages and um so i'm really excited to get their glare on here and um yeah so how you guys do it <laughs>
1: doing We're fantastic good.
0: Doing good. Welcome.
2: jackson we need to uh we need to update our our website I know. Files, don't we? <laughs> so jackson's also currently in graduate school for for nutrition as well so
0: amazing uh, right
2: that's a, a little addition there um
1: but yeah thank I'm- you for having
2: us yeah, first thank of all
1: you. pleased cool. to be here and talk epic dumps it's my favorite thing to talk about usually <laughs>
0: Well, well, for starters, I really like, can we just talk about the different diseases of low-fiber diets? Because I know, like, diverticular disease, diverticulosis, Mm -hmm. is extremely horrible and ulcerative colitis and all of these diseases. And I'm curious, like, what you guys know about these diseases and, like, how much of the population isn't eating enough fiber? Tell me about what you might know.
1: Sure. You want to start, Jackson? Yeah, well, I think just to start off, I mean, kind of zoom out big picture here. You know, fiber is is sort of one of those nutrients that we don't really talk about in kind of the general population. I mean, obviously, in kind of the plant-based vegan community, fiber is is talked about a lot because, of course, plants are the only source of fiber um, on the planet. And so, but when it comes to like the general population, like your average American it's not something that we talk about. We're obsessed with talking about protein and carbs and fat and, and, and fiber just doesn't really come up yet. 97% of Americans are eating fiber deficient diets. I mean, they're not even meeting the minimum recommendation, which is like 31 grams of fiber per day. And I think the average person gets around like 14 or 15 grams of fiber, which is just abysmal. I mean, that's ridiculous people. And so... Yeah, that's going to, of course, contribute to not only diseases um, of, of the bowels, of the gut, but also just diseases. I mean, not just diseases, but also just afflictions of having a, a low-fiber diet. And, and that's going to affect the microbiome, and um, which kind of affects everything in, in terms of your body. And that's you know something we can talk about for sure. But I think Aaron's probably better equipped to talk about actual you know, diseases and what, what he sees in the hospital as a nurse, because this is such a common thing, but, and and what we're trying to do with thought for food and sort of our Epic dumps thing is, is make this less of a taboo. You know, it is funny to talk about Epic dumps and all this stuff. And it's, it seems sort of middle school, but it's just kind of a, a gateway into talking about this issue a lot more and bringing it to the surface and, and making it a serious topic to consider and to, um, you know, have make changes in our in our society in our food system um, because you know your poop and your your bowel health says a lot about your overall health.
2: Yeah, and I think I think it's important. So take epic dumps hashtag take epic dumps is something we're trying to make viral, and we're sort of using the like millennial vernacular epic. Like epic is it's it's what everybody says, and so that's one way to make hooping or fiber or things like that seem less lame right (laughs) so you just stick epic onto anything boring and suddenly it becomes this like fantastical i do overuse epic a bit but no well yeah i mean epic (laughs) Epic has been overdone but i think who who whoever talks about taking epic dumps and the and the reason we the reason we talk about that is because when you adopt a high fiber way of eating that's exactly what's going to happen to you you're going to take frequent, large bowel movements, and that's okay. You know, so we're trying to get people to focus on focus on their bowel movements and the frequency and, and all of that because that is such an important indicator of health just in general, not just your yes. bowel health, but, but health in general. And it's an indicator of what kind of foods you're eating or what kind of foods you're not eating uh, mostly.
0: Yeah, for real. Like, oh my gosh, yes. And when I was working in the hospitals, like so many people have, of course, constipation and diverticulitis and all of these things. And my own sister has ulcerative colitis. And people don't realize that these things are serious issues that are happening to people of all ages. And yeah, like take epic dumps. I feel like (laughs) people don't realize either that um, it's okay to eat like a lot of food and to like yeah tell me more about this like what what is your experience as far as transitioning to a plant-based diet i feel like there's a lot of clients out there who complain of gas or bloating Mm. and um yeah i have my own I'll, i'll say after what my recommendations are i'm curious what you guys want to say
1: yeah well just just for you know a little bit of context like for example today it's it's like about 1 p.m. here in uh, Idaho, and I've already had pr- two pretty epic dumps, like pretty solid, large, you know, comfortable, comfortable, quick, you know, but but like good, you know, quality. Like I'd say probably one, eight, eight or nine out of ten.
2: Um, one, that's one epic dump away from shepherd of the anus status. <laughs> I know.
1: Well, I'm I'm still working my way there. I mean, Aaron <laughs> okay. has some Aaron <laughs> has some experience on me. He's got some time. Um, I mean, I've only been eating fully plant based for like. A little over three years. Aaron's been at it for like ten years, so he is, he is like gold shepherd um, status at the moment. But yeah, so I mean, basically, what happens is when you go from eating, say, a standard American diet, which is low fiber, um, you and switch to a very high fiber diet. So let's say you're eating, you know, the average, which is you know, fifteen, maybe twenty grams of fiber a day. You switch to you know, plant based, and you start eating more. You start, you know, shifting towards m- more whole food based. You get upwards of you know forty, fifty grams. I mean, I'm guess I guess I eat. Pro- I'm I'm gonna guess I eat around eighty grams of fiber a day, maybe more, um, just based on how much I eat. And so, of course, when you make that switch, you're gonna experience. And that's a huge change. That's a huge, you know, uh, different kind of experience for your body. And, and so I think that's amazing. where a lot of
0: Like, honestly, like our body is mostly microbiome. Like it's not, it's like all that gut bacteria. People need to realize that, but sorry, continue. Yeah. I mean, the gut, the the
1: microbiome is like a whole nother organ, you know? And so people don't realize that. Yeah. So you just, you sort of, you kind of put your body under a lot of stress because your microbiome is, uh, you know, kind of a result of the foods that you're eating or not eating. And so if you, for example, if you're eating a certain diet, say the standard American diet, you're going to have um, you know, a certain set of, of gut flora that goes along with that. If you're eating a higher fat diet, you're going to have special uh, microbes that are better at, equipped to digesting those foods, et cetera, et cetera, um, good or bad. And so when you just like slam your body, your gut with a ton more fiber and um, these complex carbohydrates and, and plant foods, your gut isn't necessarily going to be well-equipped to 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 deal with that. And so then you're going to, of course, not be digesting your food properly. You're going to get some, some gas. You're going to get bloating, all of these things. And I think that's why a lot of people that switch to a plant-based diet, they just go immediately from whatever they've been eating straight into a high-fiber diet. They're going to, they, they freak out and then they just, they're like, this isn't for me. I feel bloated. I feel just super full and I'm, I'm farting and like all the time, I'm not pooping that well. That's a lot to do with, or they're gut. pooping too much, or they're pooping too much. Which I I never think that that's necessarily a bad thing, but
2: but if you're a once a week pooper and you yeah. go three times a day, that might
1: honestly <laughs> freak people yeah. out. Yeah, that's people that's out. insane for people. You know? Yeah, and I
2: think what I what I would add to to what Jackson was saying is that from an evolutionary perspective, our our early human ancestors were eating upwards of 100 plus grams of fiber a day, right? And we did that for tens of thousands of years. And so we have adapted this amazing gastrointestinal tract that is used to dealing with that much fiber, but we're not giving it that. And so then we see all of the consequences of not using fiber in that very fiber friendly system and that's constipation and then all of these other things. And so you can handle the fiber. Um, But it's true. Like when people go from standard American diet directly, so maybe they watch forks over knives or something and like the next day they're doing 100% plant-based that can, that can cause some, I think, uncomfortable side effects um, until your, your body sort of adjusts to it. But the way I feel about the gassy thing, so bloating, maybe not so much. But we are meant to be gassy. I think. I think being, flatulence is just a, a consequence of eating lots of fibrous foods. And way back in the day, before we were, you know, sitting in in our office for eight hours a day, and then sitting in our house and being sort of trapped in these in these different social settings. Like, we were just cruising around. around letting the it, loose, getting, letting it loose. Letting it loose. loose. Like, everybody's naked, and you're just squatting and taking a dump on the ground, and you're farting, and no <laughs> one's scouring. Like, that's who we are. You know, we're much more like our great ape ancestors than I think a lot of people want to admit. Um, and so when we have all these new sort of... 21st century social norms where like don't fart that's not what you do like hide your poop don't talk about it I think that can set up a situation where people are are not flatulating as much as they need to be and so it builds up and they get bloated and so that's part of the problem I think uh, that people run into is like unless you're home alone you know or with your your comfortable spouse like it's kind of hard to just fart as much as you need
1: (laughs) yeah true to that yeah
0: Thank you for sharing this. Yes. For real. Like, I feel like what I recommend and what I feel like is most common with my clients is definitely that people are just growing up on such a fiber deficient diet. They're used to eating barely any fiber. And then even just putting in a couple of tablespoons of beans, they're just like super gassy and all over the place. And right. I think I recommend a very slow transition for that reason um, especially, yeah, with things that are really high fiber, like cruciferous veggies, like broccoli. and beef. Oh man. <laughs> Just even trying, um, one tablespoon a day, maybe increasing to two or three. And yeah, if you have a magazine rack in your bathroom, <laughs> you are not eating enough fiber. <laughs> right. um, it's so, it, you shouldn't be sitting on the toilet. Like what, what, like what the heck, you know, it should really be a nice, like, a lot in the toilet like <laughs>
2: easy and it, yeah and and I'd be curious to get your sort of professional perspective because you you really are a nutrition professional um you know at this point we I think Jackson and I talk less about like a slow transition in fact I'm not sure we've ever really talked about the necessity of a slower transition but have you found that to be really helpful for people in terms of the like the GI related symptoms.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that it just, I, um, from working at Dr. Furman's health oasis too, actually a lot of people were really constipated and really bloated. Mm. And we were like, what is going on? These people are eating so much fiber. Like they were having huge salads and just like huge, like lots of beans
2: and lots lots of water too.
0: Yeah. 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 They were drinking plenty of water. I know. And, um, I thought that was so weird. And, but it's true, when you increase the fiber, you do need to increase water, but your gut is just not used to it. You're really, like, it's, it's, there's some statistics that's, like, the cells in our body were actually 90% microbiome. Like, it's, yeah, oh, absolutely. And, and I think, I think absolutely. Makes trash.
2: Jackson, Jackson, do you think that's, like, a GI motility, like, weakness? You yeah, that was probably.
1: I think I think it takes a lot longer than people think. I mean, I'm still I'm still adapting my gut to this way of eating, and I've been doing it for three or four years. I mean, my digestion is not perfect by any stretch of the imagination. I'm I, I still struggle with with bloating and with I mean, I think a lot of it has to do with with you know eating super fast. I'm just Aaron and I talk about this like one of the the kind of uh, just I'd say sort of just habits like ingrained in the endurance athletes mind is just to like stuff food as fast as you can, because you're just constantly in need of calories. And, and I've just always been such a fast eater. And I think that's part yeah. of the problem for me, but I think that people, um, you know, we live in such an instant gratification society. And so I think we just want immediate results. And I think this takes a lot longer and it's like you said, you know, we are 90%. Um, I think our, I think, what the statistic is 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 uh microbe cells outnumber the human cells in our body and 10 uh, to 1 10 to 1 or something yeah ridiculous i mean just think about that and i think that the education around the importance of the microbiome is is such a critical thing and and so you know when we talk about you know the microbiome is kind of this you know super in topic it's kind of uh you know a super hip thing to talk about people all want to obsess about the best probiotic brand to buy and all these things. But really the key is prebiotics and, and, and what, what's prebiotics. That's what is actually feeding the the microbes in our body. I mean, they, it, it, we have a symbiotic relationship, right? So these, these microbes live in our gut and if, if we die or eat a terrible diet, then they die and they, they want to live in there. It's comfortable. It's nice and warm down there. Um, and they get to, they get to just eat whatever they want. And so they eat fiber, the, the indigestible components of plant food um, you know from these complex carbohydrates are what these these microbes eat and so if you 're eating specific types of fiber, so you know really high levels of, of both raw and cooked plant foods, soluble insoluble fiber um, is what these these microbes thrive on, and then that 's going to be reflected in the makeup of your gut bacteria and so people can actually swab you um, your, 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 your bacteria and see kind of what um, you're sort of eating. And, you know, it's interesting because carbohydrate fermentation in the gut, you know, is actually beneficial for, for gut flora, but eating a really high protein diet, especially from, from animal products, um, that are high in kind of sulfur, you know, containing amino acids like hydrogen sulfide, um, kind of affects that, the body's ability to produce, um, short chain fatty acids from the gut bacteria, which, um, you know, it also produces butyrate, which is like this gas, um, that is kind of like a signaler signaling molecule for, um, the, the body's ability, especially in the gut to fight inflammation throughout the body, not just in the gut, but, this has also kind of, I think, been implicated in things like ulcerative colitis and other inflammatory bowel diseases. Mm-hmm. And so butyrate's just this like really important, amazing molecule that's just um, it, it gets produced a lot when you're eating high fiber diets, which is what, like Aaron was saying earlier, evolutionarily we're used to. And so when we reduce our fiber diet so significantly, we stop butyrate, which signals our, our gut bacteria. Um, or, or no, rather our, our, like immune system to, um, kind of create inflammation and this kind of like low level or even high level inflammation, um, really affects how our, our stomach works and, and how our, our, our gut works. And that, that can have all sorts of issues
0: yeah hundred.
1: that makes sense or is that too convoluted
0: no i'm glad that you brought that up like it's really not just about even being able to go to the bathroom and have a nice dump which is yeah incredible and amazing and you need to be <laughs> i like,
2: love that you just said that thank you
0: <laughs> really but um it really also yeah not only with your immune system but having to do with depression and stress and there's food so
1: cravings much. everything it, it affects yes. everything
0: um yes yes yes
2: yeah absolutely i mean the microbiome is such a fascinating topic. And it's sort of like Jackson said, it's sort of this like zeitgeist thing that's happening right now. Um, we, we are a walk, a slimy, stinky walking bag of microbes. That's what we are. You know, people, you look at someone from the outside and you see skin and muscle and hair and things like that, but that skin and muscle and hair that, that is just covered by microbes. And so those microbes dictate so much about how we digest nutrients and assimilate certain things and how we process foods and what our food cravings are and all of that. And so if you eat lots of healthy high-fiber foods, then the microbes that take residence in the gut will continue to give you cravings for healthy high-fiber foods. And that's one of the things, um, that's one of the sticking points, I think, with a lot of people is they crave high sugar, high fat, high salt, crappy food because they are populated with microbes that need those things to survive. But once you get over that transitional period where you've been eating plant foods long enough, suddenly the, the microbes that are resident in your gut are the ones who want more plant foods. And so that's why people can't even fathom the idea that you could actually want to eat a salad, right? Mm. Or like want to eat sweet potatoes. Or, you know, want to eat foods like that, but you really do crave those things. Like, I couldn't imagine anything better than a big Japanese sweet potato with black beans and kale and stuff like that. But talking to someone who eats a standard American diet, that's the worst, that's one of the worst things they could imagine, you know. And so when you make that transition, you will crave those foods. And that is something that's really important for people to understand. Uh,
0: Yeah, I like that. I think, Jackson, you were saying that it it does take time. I think people maybe are just really impatient with it, and they're concerned, and they go back to their old ways. But um, craving these foods doesn't happen overnight, for sure. And, like, I think it's important to let the dirty water run and feel what your cravings are and just really stick to a plant-based diet. Um, And uh, your microbiome will change probably in a couple of weeks, I would say. Yeah, a
1: couple of weeks. a couple of weeks. Yeah. I mean, you'll probably notice significant changes within yeah a few weeks, but again, it's not like that's that's where you know the work just ends there you know you have to continue to feed your your microbes you know good food and and all that stuff but you know and again, like this is about so much more than than just five or two and and you know it's I think it's something that we like to talk about as well is is kind of zooming out from the the kind of reductionist science to really you know, zoom out and, and, and explain why this way of eating is is so profound, and it's of course it's going to be amazing for your health, but it's also just uh, you know such a, an amazing way to live, and um, you know the, the ethical implications of eating more plants, the environmental implications of eating more plants. Um, you know, I, I think in our opinion, sort of all of these health side effects are are just kind of the cherry on top, um, and so. I think if you, if you, it, it helps so much. I guess if we're talking about how to, uh, you know, adopt this way of eating and and kind of make it sustainable, it helps a lot to have more than one reason to to do this. If if your if your main reason is just so that you can, you know, poop more than once a week, um, you know that's that's going to maybe not be the best driver of of success on this diet. And so I think of course the, you know, fiber and gut health pieces are so important, but it also affects every part of your health. And um, like you were saying, I mean, it's, it's, it's critical for uh, you know, mental health. And I mean, for me, when I first kind of switched to a plant-based diet, the the biggest thing that I noticed was better sleep, better mood. um, And, and like all of, I had really chronic uh, sinus and upper respiratory infections and congestion and all that stuff, left and um so i think yeah i think it's just it, it's such a great kind of overall way of living and that's why i thought for food we're so focused on talking about it as a lifestyle rather than just a diet you know
0: yes like i want to say going to yoga people a lot of people have their own opinions on a lot of things with food combining and they're like hey you know i don't eat beans anymore i never eat fruit when i blah 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 and personally,
1: you should eat citrus fruit with like <laughs> mangoes because that messes with your whole body and it, it disrupts your chakra flow that, yeah, all that stuff. I mean, that's, that's big time. chakra disalignment.
2: Yeah, exactly. Your chakras will be way off and then only drink quarter cup of water. Yeah.
1: You have have to drink at least six gallons of water before every meal.
2: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I
1: mean, that's, it's just essential. I mean, why would you, why would you not, you know? Yeah. Todd.
0: Yeah, so I just want to clear the air <laughs> with all of these myths.
1: Oh, uh, we'll clear the air. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um yeah, I really don't think that food combining is a thing, uh, according to like like research shows that and even Dr. Furman recommended eating fruit after the meal because when you eat fruit after eating something like beans, it actually blunts the blood sugar raising effect of the fruit. So especially for people with diabetes and stuff, what is your
1: opinions on this? Yeah. I mean, I think people tend to overthink those kinds of things. And like, I guess just from the surface, it kind of does make sense maybe to people where it's like, if you, you know, oh, you should just have uh, like a mono meal of fruit because then it's just like, you know, easily digestible. And if you combine that with, with, you know, peanut butter or with uh, beans or something like that's it's too much going on in the gut. Like it, 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 digests at different rates and then the enzymes like enzymes, bro, you know, like, all. and I think that when you kind of dig a little bit deeper, you know, our, again, like our guts are so adaptable to such a variety of diets in general. I mean, not just talking about plants. Like, I mean, that's why humans have thrived and, and are at the place we, we are in a lot of ways is that, we're so adaptable, you know, we, we can, you know, we can just kind of survive in, in a lot of ways. And that's why so many people are, you know, eating such shit diets, and you know, they're, they're still like able to function, you know, it's not like they just eat, you know, a hamburger and then they just keel over. It's like our, our, our we can make it happen. And I think a big reason for that is that our, our stomachs and our, our kind of GI tract and digestive system, is so strong and so powerful. And, um, and so I think with food combining, um, you know, I don't think that it necessarily really makes a difference. I mean, I think, obviously, um, if you want to, you know, it's particularly for athletes, for example, you want to, you know, eat foods that are like, a little bit more easily absorbed into the, into the bloodstream, you know, like simple sugars, you know, fruits and, um, you know, things like that so that it it can be quickly used for energy. It just, you know, it does take a little bit longer to digest, um, and break down like raw plants and, you know, beans and, and nuts and seeds and stuff like that. But I think in terms of combining them all in the gut, I mean, we have different pathways for digesting carbohydrates, digesting fats, digesting proteins. Um, and, and so, we have kind of a whole system in place for all of those things, you know?
2: Yeah. And what I would add to that is we do know that food combining uh, to a certain extent has an effect on like what we absorb. So like if you're eating high, uh, you know, something that's high in iron, if you eat vitamin C rich foods with that, it does increase yes. the absorption of iron. So like there are things that make a difference, but I think the point that Jackson's making is that you do not need to sit down and like Get out certain foods at certain times and mix them together because that's gonna like put your chakras in alignment, you know, or something like that. I, I think that, what I guess what I would say if somebody has like low level anemia, like your hematocrit and your hemoglobin are like subtherapeutic for some reason, well, I would recommend that they eat high uh, iron foods and that they eat them. With like some vitamin C rich fruit, like that may be a good way to sort of boost. Those. Um But just as a rule, rules to walk around, really like thinking about that. Like your your body has homeostatic mechanisms that if, if you're getting if you're getting too much, uh, you know your body will shut down the absorption. Well, I think
1: we're talking here about more like macronutrients and like 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 super picture stuff like foods, like you know. Uh, having a high fat, you know, say like you're having uh, you know, a smoothie with nuts and seeds in it, plus fruit, plus, you know, some greens and stuff like that, that since there's so many different kinds of like macronutrients, you know, ratios and stuff, having all those combined in your stomach at one time, affects your digestion and makes you feel like shit or, yeah, uh, you know, is, is affects your digestion, I guess. Like
0: how there's different enzymes for breaking down different macronutrients, like how okay, you know, the proteases sure. and people want to have peak absorption so they don't combine proteins with starches and that kind of thing. But I like what you were saying, Aaron too, because okay. yeah, malabsorption of iron, if you're drinking coffee with it, like things like that. Right. Um, that's also important to keep in mind that I didn't really think about because it's true. Um, you can definitely absorb nutrients more Bio, <laughs> It's going to be more bioavailable if you combine like vitamin C with iron. And um, yeah, watching high oxalates and stuff. It's really right. just with iron that I can think of right now. But um, just as far as like making, decreasing bloating and decreasing gas and helping right. your beautiful bowel movements, it's uh, not really a lot to do with food combining. It's going to be
1: more to do with the microbiome and with the the kind of adapt to certain and a certain dietary pattern.
2: Yeah.
0: Oh yeah, I have another question. How many times do you have to rinse your beans uh, before it causes no gas after eating those beans?
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I think I I rinse my beans, um, but I don't know if it really makes too much of a difference.
2: I pour the, I that juice out of the can. I pour that into shasses, and I just take shit.
1: I put that juice like months worth of beans and, and bring that in my water bottles on bike rides. It's great.
2: Yeah, because I'm storing. I have like a little methane farm in my mm-hmm. house, and I'm trying to store that methane, and so that we can use that as as energy later. So that's my own personal thing. I don't I don't recommend anybody else drink that but uh, have you
0: guys made aquafaba with the bean liquid no i I haven't
2: i think that's so cool though
0: yeah i actually haven't either but i've tried it i've seen it done um and yeah it's it's pretty cool but yeah i've never done that on my own but just to reiterate yeah i really don't think the raffinose. like i think that's definitely a myth that no matter like you're not gonna rinse out the thing that's causing you gas Because in reality, it's really just your body isn't used to eating a lot of beans, and over time, like I can eat like two or three cans of beans in a day, and I'm I'm not like (laughs) extremely gassy. (laughs) That's
1: that's a lot. That's that that uh, definitely deserves the word epic. But yeah, I think, and there's also going to be, of course, exceptions. You know, people are going to have different genetic polymorphisms or issues with you know producing certain enzymes that are going to break down beans for example or or whatever you know and and so i think obviously there's going to be exceptions if you really struggle with beans after eating them for you know years don't you don't have to eat beans like yeah they're like extremely healthy and like everyone should eat beans but if you like literally like it affects your health negatively to eat beans you know, there's plenty of other great options. So, um, but I think I would just say, you know, to listeners out there that, that do feel like they get a lot of gas or bloating from beans, uh, give it some more time. I mean, i I was there when I first started eating a lot of beans. Um, but yeah, now I can eat a can of beans in a sitting and I'm fine. Um, so.
2: Yeah. The other thing I'd add about just food combining in general, we are the only, species on earth that's dumb enough to think about something like that (laughs) you know what i mean like there are no animals cruising around in the wild like think thinking having any sort of internal dialogue about like what plants they're going to combine so they can get peak absorption you know what i mean (laughs) it's it's a uniquely like human thing we want to like optimize everything and just do things perfectly and so somebody writes a blog post in 1976 about like maybe food combining is a good idea and then forever like people think food combining is a thing you know it's just it's weird you just eat food your body takes what it needs and gets rid of the rest and stores things in individual components and adds them to other things like we do with protein synthesis and amino acid recycling pools and all that stuff so i wouldn't give too much thought about it but
0: yes amazing thank you yeah want to add anything about bowel movements that have happened in the hospitals or i can tell my experience too with my sister um having yeah. a pretty good well my family has a fecal transplant lab in my basement oh.
1: wow cool. I'm amazing
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah so my mom That's is next plant-based. level based and we're able to use her good gut bacteria from her good gut bacteria in her bowels, and my ulcerative colitis sister, who it's a horrible. This is a horrible disease. People like bleeding out of your butthole. Like it's just like Oof. never-ending diarrhea. You can't. You know, it's really, really sad. Yes. And as a young female in her like in her early twenties, like nobody should have to do, go through that. So. Anyways, you can prevent that by eating fiber, actually. Anyways.
2: Have um, you found have you found that the the transplanting has been helping her?
0: Yeah, it definitely helped her a lot in the beginning. And I know, like, she'll have episodes where it'll work really well, and she'll be doing really, really well. And then she'll throw herself a birthday party and drink a lot of alcohol and, like, go back wow. to spare one. Yeah, so there's things like that. Um,
2: hmm. Yeah, I, like, I mean... Tell me about
1: your experiences and what you think. Yeah, I mean, oh god, look, here
2: we go. <laughs> you know, well, I mean, inflammatory bowel disease, which is the sort of umbrella term for things like ulcerative colitis and Crohn's disease and and uh, irritable bowel syndrome and stuff like that. Those are people think that's those are like funny diseases. Okay, like I find that people think diabetes is funny. They're like, "Oh, you got the diabetes." It's like, dude, you've, you have no idea how awful that is, you know? And and those inflammatory bowel diseases are horrible. Um, and people who have really advanced cases of ulcerative colitis, for example, who don't do anything dietarily, they just take the, you know, the corticosteroids and, and okay. um, all those other medications to sort of manage the problem. Um, they continue to get worse. And I actually just had a patient that i spent 2 hours of my busy day talking to about the microbiome cuz he had ulcerative colitis he had had it since he was 14 and he's now in his 50s but um you know I, I got i got done talking about this you know all of this stuff about fiber and uh prevention of relapse of ulcerative colitis and and all of that and then at the end of my sort of discussion he was like well I don't have a colon anymore. So, is any of this relevant to me? And it's just like I forgot. Look at that part of this chart. And like we, so that is what happens with ulcerative colitis. If you don't manage it, is eventually that those segments of bowel become so inflamed that you get this, you get infectious process going. They have to surgically remove portions of your bowel until eventually some people get to the point where they have no. Uh, they only have small bowel left, right? And so then the poop goes from the small bowel into a little pouch that sticks out of your stomach.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and so those are things that can happen. So it, it's not it's not a funny disease. Um, it's awful. And um, I wish more people knew about the real power of preventing relapse of even putting that disease in remission if you eat enough fiber and it 's something I, I try to talk to my patients mm-hmm. uh, a lot more about, and you know you can 't always you know a plant based diet 's not a panacea either it 's not it 's not going to cure everything sometimes all all you can do is really like slow it down and and um, really help to manage it but i think with a lot of people you can take ulcerative colitis and crohn's disease and put it in remission if you're willing to make that switch and, and really go mostly plant-based or, or totally plant-based so that's an important point i think about that
0: 100 percent. i actually know a couple of people who have reversed their ulcerative colitis and crohn's very uh, cool yeah in the case of my sister she's a cheese addict
2: <laughs> mm. yeah
0: for real <laughs> um so that's it's really unfortunate, and I feel I feel bad because in my schooling, we were taught to prescribe a low fiber diet for of colitis people,
2: so that you don't inflame, so you don't upset the the GI tract, and, and inflame it. Well, yeah, and and that's definitely something to consider because there is there there is some clinical weight to that. If you have someone who has had ulcerative colitis for. Years and they eat a standard American diet, and then you try to switch them to 100 grams of fiber a day. That that can have some real, um you know, that can, that can be really significant in terms of sort of pissing the bowels off um, and and getting them back into a relapse. So that's right because
1: that's what we were talking about earlier with right. you know the, the the microbiome makeup. It's like you can't just like you can't just assume that the microbiome is just going to change immediately as well. You have to kind of cultivate that, you know, gut garden as, as, as people like to call, it because it, it takes time, you know, and, and by eating those foods, you develop, you start to develop it. And so again, you know, it's unfortunately sometimes a, a slower approach is, is needed. Although sometimes, you know, in desperate measures that you don't have a lot of time. And so it's just, it's, it's a really tough situation. And my grandma has, um, Struggled with this as well. I don't, I don't think she has ulcerative colitis, but she has some sort of um, irritable bowel disease. And it, it, it it's, it's not as easy as just piling on fiber, you know, especially when it's been going on for so long. Right. Um, and so I think that, again, it's like, it's about, you know, easing into it and, and being able to, you know, have that kind of balance between, you know, too much fiber and just, you know, or, or not enough.
0: Mm-hmm. My yeah. It, oh, sorry. Go, go
2: ahead. ahead. No, no, no. You go ahead.
0: It's just it was really cool getting to work for Dr. Furman too because he has much more um, innovative protocols for these kinds of things. So I was just I would recommend like someone with ulcerative colitis that has active sores and things definitely just bowel rest, but even with plants like juicing smoothies, right. it's very like steamed so much that it's like pureed um, right. like baby food. But as long as it's plants is going to be a lot, lot better than the, the highly, highly processed, Um you know, I wouldn't really recommend eating a lot of crackers, a lot of like, really right. salty popcorn. Well, yeah, yeah. Things that are especially of course, cheese, milk, like I don't want to be, giving them any kind of animal products that's going to make it worse, um, but just any plant that they can feel good eating. But what were you going to say?
2: Yeah, that's such a good point. I mean, you know, the people who come in who have sort of an acute exacerbation of, of one of those problems, they're on bowel rest, right? So they're, they're NPO. They're not taking anything in by mouth other than fluids. I just wish that those people, as they started, w- once the bowel had been rested, were good to go. We've got a green light to sort of like transition to, back to foods as tolerated. Let it be plant foods, right? And let it be, like you said, those easy to digest plant foods because you want those anti-inflammatory compounds circulate, like making physical contact with your colon, right? And yes. You, want things, you know, you want those things to sort of like get in there and cool that shit down, and you also want the, those, you know, antioxidants flowing through your bloodstream and kind of going to the cells and and doing different things like that. It's such a um, boy! What a what a cool time it would be if if our hospital had that type of protocol, but it it doesn't. They just say well, as soon as you're ready to eat again, order bacon, you know. And so, um, yeah. I think honestly, the the thing that I see the most, um from a clinical perspective, is not necessarily... I see a lot of um, inflammatory bowel disease, but more than that, and the thing that nobody is talking about, is just constipation. Constipation is an epidemic. Um, I I would say 85 to 90% of of the patients I take care of in the hospital, they literally cannot have... Bowel movements without laxatives and stool softeners, mm-hmm. and all and all of those things. And of course, these are people who, most of the time, have been are chronically hospitalized for for other things that are going on. So they have other health concerns that are contributing to that. But everybody's getting stool softeners and laxatives just to be regular, and they're doing it that at home, not just in the hospital. Um, but nobody's talking about that. We just sort of assume that that's like the normal part of aging or just like, yeah, people get constipated all the time. It's like,
1: yeah, just like you, you know, you go on, you you know, Lipitor, you know, when you get to a certain age, it's becoming just normal and that's really dangerous.
2: It is really dangerous. It's really dangerous because constipation again, that's another like funny disease, right? Everyone's like, Oh man, you got a strain to poop and like, Oh, old Jim Bob's constipated again. Get him some Miralax. You know, it's just like, that's not, that is not normal at all, and there are consequences to being constipated. One of those huge consequences is that you have to strain to pass stool, and straining every single time you have to go to the bathroom causes things like hiatal hernias. Hiatal hernias are serious. They require abdominal surgery to repair. Um, hiatal hernias... Yeah, exactly. Diverticulosis and diverticulitis—the acute sort of inflammatory process at the end of diverticulosis. Hemorrhoids, varicose veins. Um, I mean, just having. So think about this: if you're if you're chronically constipated and you're straining, and that causes a hiatal hernia, and the hiatal hernia causes. Acid from your stomach to reflux up into the esophagus that increases your risk of esophageal cancer. So there are all these weird
0: and colon cancer
2: and colon cancer. It's like you know there, there are all of these these sort of unforeseen consequences of being constipated. And there there is literally even a a syndrome we call it bedpan death syndrome in the hospital. So this is what happens when. People have to, are not able to get out of bed to have a bowel movement. And so you put a bed pan under them. And because of the sort of mechanical position of the body, that's not ideal for passing stool anyways, but they're also chronically constipated. And so they push so hard to get stool out that they sort of trigger that sort of vagal innervation of the heart and they go into like a deadly arrhythmia and they die.
1: Like that's insane.
2: It happens. It's called bedpan death syndrome. Look it up. Um, This happens in the, and I used to, you know, I did three years on a cardiac unit. So like everything I did was specialized for hearts and blood vessels and the thing that scared me almost more than anything else was having like a post open heart surgery patient who was constipated because if that person sits down, they already have a heart that has been jeopardized by surgery or maybe they have a history of like deadly, you know, or or like unsustainable arrhythmias or whatever they sit down and they push so hard to pass stool that they vagal themselves and they just, pass out and of course you think they're dead because they have like a, a six or seven second pause and everyone runs in there and they call the code and and then they wake up and they're fine but that, that's that's that happened to them just because they were constipated so it really has it has some sort of downstream consequences that i don't think people really think about
0: wow
1: eat your damn plants people eat your plants people yeah. like god yeah, you shouldn't
2: be constipated
0: yeah yeah that's for real i don't know what else to say besides eat more (laughs) plants and have it be in the natural state full of fiber and not be afraid of it i think that there's like two things that can happen when somebody really really increases their fiber like immediately if you want to like jump into this and one yeah if you've lived your whole life constipated And then you you're adding all of these foods on top of that. Either you're going to have an insane diarrhea blowout, and you're going to be like all of a sudden like (laughs) cleansed, or maybe you will get constipated. You'll still be constipated, and maybe um, it'll take a bit, and you'll need to drink some water and give yourself time, but be patient with it
1: and move your body. I think uh, I think another kind of thing that people don't talk about enough is that when you know, just just mechanical movement of the body instead of just kind of sitting in this like crunch position like where you're just sitting in a chair all day and your you know, your 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 kind of GI tract is kind of like crunched up um in this very unnatural position that, you know, humans aren't really naturally designed to to be in. Um just by moving and like, you know, waking up and going for a walk or, or taking, you know, every couple hours going for a walk or, you know, even better, like actually, you know, doing some some form of exercise really is beneficial for moving things around as well. And it, it actually can stimulate peristalsis as well. And, and kind of, you know, help to, uh, you get that muscle and that, you know, mechanical stimulation to, to kind of move things, you know, more fluidly.
2: Yes. Yeah. Eat, eat plants and move your body, you know? Like our bodies are designed to take in enormous amounts of fiber and to be in constant motion Yeah, and to be hydrated. And if you do that, I mean, it's just amazing. Like when you really switch over and everything sort of comes into alignment, like in terms of bowel movements, like bowel movements become the one of the most pleasurable parts of your day. You know, I, like I always say it's the best – three to four times is is having a bowel movement because it feels good you don't have to strain it just slides out like it's it's sometimes it's very impressive sometimes it looks like the smoothie you ate yesterday like sometimes you know it's just it can be i i just think i think a lot of people associate the process of going to the bathroom with pain or discomfort or something like that and they sort of dread it
1: like oh, and maybe uh, that's why it's hurt. it's such a taboo you know it's like right. and that's and that's why i think what we're trying to do is is like make it you know like we said at the beginning make it epic make it cool like make it not really a competition and you know don't start posting your your dump pics to instagram but like <laughs> we have to I, I think we have to make it about you know that it is something to be proud of that you're you're having these epic dumps multiple times a day and like that it's just, it's like this amazing experience, you know, and, and it, and it's a true reflection of your overall health, not just about your, your, your gut health. But if you're, uh, you know, like the kind of flow chart here is like, okay, if we're starting at the end where you're having this amazing dump, that means your, you know, your, your gut health is in good health. And that, that means that you're eating a lot of fiber, which means you're eating a lot of plants, which means you know you're you're eating a very health promoting low inflammatory high nutrient density high performing diet that is is going to you know create this cascade of health throughout you know disease prevention for athletic performance for uh you know like brain health and mood enhancement and and all of these things that are, are just such a, a rampant epidemic in, in, you know, the Western world. And just, and so it, I think it just, it affects everything. And that's why we're so excited and so passionate about this lifestyle, because it literally is amazing for everything. Like I, you know, it's, it's hard for me to explain to people that don't understand or don't, they haven't tasted the Kool-Aid yet because it, it, it is hard to explain and it is hard to get people to understand, you know, Really, what it is like to have three epic dumps a day, and, and what it really is like to, you know, f- wake up in the morning and just feel incredible, you know? And, and I think we're living in terms of the average person in a lot of ways, we're living in kind of just this low grade shittiness because of the, the shit that we put into our bodies, the amount we sit all day, the amount that we just sort of go through the day without thinking about these things we just it's become a new normal to just feel sh- like shit and so yeah. we need to we need to just make it the new normal to feel amazing because that's how we should live you know we have a very limited amount of time on this planet why not make it incredible
0: And what a relief that feels like for people too if you you don't have to drink all the prune juice and have all the mural acts yeah. like feel lighter and have a great epic dump and even smell better too have you guys heard about that like uh,
2: i'm not sure oh just like less body odor
0: or even like i i don't know i feel like i know a couple of people at the plant-based movement who know their gut so well and they're just like uh, okay. and, and they you know people's hearts hmm. don't smell anymore and like people who eat plants like you just cleaner. <laughs> so, so they think the shit don't stink <laughs> yeah.
1: My my poops and farts smell like roses, so I must be doing something right. Um,
2: yeah. No, but uh, I, also to the same terrible. Sorry. Yeah. Mine, mine are awful. Just to be honest.
1: Yeah. Th- there was something I was going to add to that, but now I forgot. Um, we'll come back to it.
0: All right. Well, I just thank you so much for your time. These guys, please, so hilarious. Thought for food podcast, their YouTube, everything. Go to their Patreon page. I really like. So entertaining, so informative and everything. I thank you so much for your time today. We learned a lot about the issues that can happen if you don't eat enough plants. I hope that that built some importance for you listeners and viewers out there. And yeah, really don't be afraid of the gas and the bloating because honestly, it will pass as your microbiome adapts to eating this way. Move your body, drink plenty of water. Don't overthink it any last words that you'd like to add before we end this magical poop discussion?
2: Um, I, I just would like to say thank you to you, Katie, for having us on. It's it's a pleasure to sit down and talk with you and explore some of these ideas. Um, we love, we love being on the other side of the microphone. Sometimes it's nice to, to explore different ideas where we're not um, interviewing. So that's like, so thank you for for allowing us to do that. It's awesome.
1: Yeah, and appreciate I, we same here. I appreciate have, having the the chance to talk for you know an hour or whatever it is about poop. That's that's great. It's an honor. Um, but I, I think just kind of uh, you know last words from from me is I would just say like kind of like what I talked about a little bit is that you know it's it's great to have you know great bowel health, but I also just one thing that we 're trying to do with thought for food is is help people just live you know a really meaningful and purposeful life that 's beyond just talking about you know fiber and nutrition it's it 's about living sort of in alignment you know with your not only with your chakras but with your your morals and your values and and kind of just doing cool shit and, and doing epic shit. And, and that doesn't mean you have to go ride your bike in the Alps or climb mountains, but it's just, it's, it's doing something that that challenges you that, that puts you outside of your comfort zone, because that is where the magic happens. And that's where you're going to grow. And so if, if that means, you know, doing epic shit for you and getting an uncomfortable means increasing your fiber intake, great, go for it. Please do that. That's going to significantly change your life. And um, and then take it a step further and and try adding something else in and try you know doing doing something more physical or or you know tr- following a passion or an interest that you' that you really you know think might might do something amazing for you and um and just kind of zoom out a little bit i think it 's important to to talk about the the reductionist science and the nutrition at, to paint the picture of, of this whole kind of lifestyle that we, we kind of try and promote. And, um, but it's also important to zoom out and step step out and, and, and look at this from a more broad lens, you know, and, 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 so I think, you know, for any of you guys listening to this, you know, it's just, I, I love talking about this stuff. So please don't hesitate to reach out if you have questions, if you, you know, have, have any uh, you know, questions about anything, um, I would love to hear from you.
0: Yeah, definitely. Same. Wow. I acknowledge both of you so much. Thank you for all of your info and for your time today. And yeah, anybody listening, please comment below, ask your questions. Um, I think we're all here to make sure that your bowels are really, really epic. Yes. (laughs) All right.
2: Awesome. Bye. Thank you.